Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick with you this morning. We've got like 300 earnings reports to talk about. We'll try to cover as many of them as we can from Google to Boeing to GE to Spotify uh, to Ford to AMD. So, uh, yeah, just like 100 earnings reports that we'd like to discuss. So we try to get to as many of those as, as we possibly can in the next hour. We also have an 830 number, GDP. Don't forget about that. Our guest today is Patrick DeHaan. He's the head of petroleum analysis at GasBuddy.com. He will join us at 835 to break down the oil markets for us. In the meantime, Joel, give us a quick recap on what happened overnight. Uh, good morning, Spencer. Uh, we're trading up 15 handles at 28.82 and a quarter. Uh, little dip off the pre-market or off the close went to 28.60.75. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then we caught a bid that just would not last until we got over 2,900. 2,905 is your pre-market high. There's your target on the upside. Uh, you have crude uh, trading in the green by a buck twenty buck twenty two at eighteen eighty two, gold in the green as well by a buck fifty at one thousand seven hundred twenty three point seven zero, silver up by sixteen cents at fifteen forty nine. Bitcoin clears eight thousand up four hundred sixty five dollars at eight thousand two hundred and forty five. Uh, let's bring in uh, the master of buy the dip. Uh, people were predicting you were buying the dip yesterday in last night's session, Dennis. Is that true? I did buy some dips. Um, I added UPS. It was the only one I did add. I thought about it. And I was like, I don't know if I really love this stock. And I was like, okay, I'll add a little bit. So I did like a half size position in UPS. That was the only thing I put in the long term portfolio. But from a trading perspective, yes, buying the dip. I mean, it gave you an opportunity. Google gave you just a fantastic opportunity yesterday. I mean, we talked about buying dips, and Google falls 65 points before its earnings report. Immediately, you're getting it all back on this earnings report. Obviously, I already own Google, so I wasn't going to buy more for my investment portfolio. It's a stock that I've held for, I, I think I've been in it seven years. So I've been in Google a long time. I think I'm up like 400% in it or 500%, something crazy. So I'm sticking with my long-term Google. Um, I'm averaging I, I'm averaging for about 250 bucks, so it's 1320. I'm sticking with Google, um, but I mean, this is what you got to do. You got to find companies that you like, and when they dip on the earnings, when you get in. Uh, but this obviously was a different case. It dipped ahead of the earnings, so it gave you a shot ahead of it. Obviously, people speculating that the advertising revenue was going to be a disaster. It wasn't a disaster. And now, if you look at Google, uh, off to the races. Thoughts here, uh, or give us the numbers here, Spencer. Spencer? Oh, I'm on mute. Sorry about that. Look, he never does that. <laughs> Has he ever done that before? Me and Joel do it every other day. Has I'm Spencer mute. ever done that before? Uh, I, I have one, once or twice. I muted myself. Holy, uh, he's, he's consistently good. <laughs> like, Joel does it every day. I do it once a week. Spencer does it once a year. Well, I have a, well. The thing is, I have a mute button on my microphone and a mute button on the Zoom, and I muted myself both uh, twice by mistake. So, uh, anyway, uh, with Google, it, it's it's uh, about the numbers, but also it's about what they said on the conference call. Because as soon as they said some things on the call, the stock rallied. So the numbers for Google: uh, the Q1 EPS nine dollars eighty-seven cents versus a ten dollar and thirty-three cent estimate. So they missed that. I don't know how comparable that those that really is. Uh, the sales beat forty-one point one versus forty point three. $3 billion. But on the call, they said that March may have been the worst of it. And they said that based on their estimates, uh, as far as search is concerned, that April is not going to be nearly as bad as March was. And as soon as they said that, the stock rallied. Wow. So looking here, Google, and I'm going to hit on stocks. So I lose my train of thought, but uh, I mean, we I take talk off about it. Yeah, I above mean, the 1300. There you so go. I would still say 1300 is very important. What do you yep. think, Joel? I, I mean, it's we're you're above it in the in the, the after-hour session. You're above it in the pre-market session. Let's see what it does in the regular session because 1300 was major resistance. Above that, it looks good again, though. I'm just going to say 
if you're buying the rip yesterday, if you're buying the rip in Google today, you're doing it backwards. The buying opportunity in Google was yesterday before the number, if you had the guts to take it through. Um, this is the way, buying the dips and selling the rips, yep. not buying the rips and selling the dips. So, you know, people were saying, oh, you had a bullish rant yesterday and the market went down. What did I specifically say yesterday? This is not the time, you know, I'm saying, I still think we could be going to 3,000, but I'm not buying the market when it's ripping up 300, 400 Dow points. I'm buying it when it's dipping. Opportunity was yesterday after 10, 30, 11 o'clock when we started to dip significantly. If you had your shopping list ready, you could have did a little bit of shopping yesterday and Google would have been a good candidate, although I wouldn't probably have had the guts to go through it. So congratulations to whoever did buy yesterday. Obviously, some people bought it yesterday because they're immediately rewarded. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more on this. Uh, that 1300 I talked about it uh, yesterday on the show. It really dipped off the close. It dipped late. Well, it was kind of a steady sell-off all day. So they got it down there, and uh, 1300 was a line in the sand. I'm looking at the Goog without the L. Uh, so, boom, you hit a pre-market. You need continuation here. I would not buy this with my worst enemy's money here. Uh, your high is 1344.90. I would use that as a target on the upside. I think the longer it takes to get over that level, bigger chance you roll over today. Uh, closing above 1300 is really important. Um, old uh, resistance should be new support. Uh, before we move on to our next stock, Dennis, I got a call this morning and uh, from a buddy of mine that was on the show. It's a trade alert. It's not coming from me. But uh, you know my buddy Paul that was on the show, not last week, but the week before? Was he the oil guy? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He got a, he got a pop-up from our show yesterday. Okay. And, and, and Spencer entitled it, Buy Everything But Oil. And he heard your rant, and he has now flipped to long crude. He is super bullish. He listened to our show, and he's making a total contrarian call. And he is saying, did I say I was, what did I, I don't remember what I even said on. Well, we were being kind of, maybe it was more me. We were being kind of, everything was up except for, for crude oil. Oh. And so we were poo-pooing it, but he likes to make, so he is, I wish he would have called me. We're going to watch these titles of the shows because I don't know if I was saying buy everything yesterday. I think I specifically said, don't. I said, buy the dip if we get a dip. So I would have been buying like 11 o'clock. It was meant to be a little facetious. Okay. Okay. Anyways, um, it, 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 it's, it's fine. I mean, obviously, um, you know, make contrarian calls. People are going to be right. People are going to be wrong. I did have a bullish rant yesterday. I had a bullish rant the day before there, too. And the market you did were, fall no, yesterday. I, yeah, yeah. No, he wasn't talking about your market call. It was yeah, he's just, talking about the oil. Yes, yes. I mean, I still hate oil stocks. Long term, I hate oil stocks. Short term, these things are, are getting hot here. I mean, there was the, you know what the tell is on the oil stocks themselves? When oil down. continues to go down, yet the oil stocks are rallying when they go down. Now you get a little rally in oil today, and oil stocks are ripping higher. So they don't go down when oil's going down, and they rip higher when oil's going up. That's pretty good tell that, hey, some of these things are just short-term oversold. Does that mean a lot of these oil companies aren't going out of business? No, I think a lot of them are still going out of business. I think there's still a lot of problems there. But, you know, we said Chevron, best in breed. Look at where Chevron has come back from. I mean, now it's kind of hard. You know, $91, yeah, oil's here. in the gutter. You know, from a logical perspective, I don't know why you'd want to own it at $91 when it was 51 and oil, you know, is now significantly lower than where it was. So, you know, logic says I don't want to own any of these oil stocks. But the trend, the trend is your friend right now. And the oil stocks are hot. So you can trade anything. You can hate, absolutely hate a sector. But sometimes you got to go long it. Because that's what the trend is showing you. And that's what the trade is showing you. And their oil stocks are hot. I think the easy money has kind of been made on the oil rally here now. Um, I feel like today might be one of those days where they just go, oh, we got to buy oil. Maybe we'll get a little bit capitulation, higher move here. But, you know, XOP's had a pretty good move. And in, in one month, we started the month at $30. We're at $50. So you're talking about the index of oil, you know, the, of uh, oil and gas exploration. Going from 30 to 60, so 20. So it's up 66% in a month. So now if you're buying it, it's not going to be as easy of a money as if, if you're buying at the end of April or at the beginning of April. So I think um, your, your buddy Paul, if he's just buying now, could be a little bit late to the party. 
but again, the trend is your friend. Just don't get stuck right. holding the hot potato. It could go for a while. There's room to XOP to 60. It could, but I think it's also got room to the downside here now too. So it's more coin flip area here now as opposed to I want to load up. I'm looking at both those charts of Exxon and Chevron, and they kind of, I don't know if he's listening today, they kind of look like Rob Hood charts though, you know, where they've had a move, they've had a rally up, they've had a consolidation, and, you know, I don't know how many times I'd say, okay, it's at resistance, it's going down, and these things break out here. So I think it's kind of trade where, you know, if you are going for the breakout here, this is the highest level that uh, um, it has reached uh, since uh, both of these stocks, since making their March low. So it's a kind of trade where, okay, let's say I'm going to get crazy at like 91, even above yesterday's high. It's not a trade where I'm going to give it to like 83 or 84. It would be something where, you know, like maybe 88. Like if this is a real, if this is a real breakout, this is not going back down to 88 anytime soon. That's the way I look at it, unless the, you know, the market totally rolls over. Uh, so, you know, that's the way I look at it. I mean, I'm not going to chase it here up a buck 55, but I mean, I think for your traditional, you know, chart, uh, you know, chart traders and stuff. This, breaking out. Breaking out. What do Got you do with stocks breaking out? There's room to 100 on Chevron. You heard it here. Yeah, I there is room to 100 on Chevron. I wouldn't want to be short it. I wouldn't want to be short nope. it, but I'm not sure I'm coming in and buying the oil stocks now. I feel like, I feel like, the easy money on the oil long has, has happened. Obviously, you know, and, and, you know, hindsight 2020 capital, you know, third week of March was when the low was in, or the second week of March was when the low was made on everything. Yep. So now you look at Chevron, it's up, you know, 80% from those lows and now only sitting 25, 30% off from the highs in a, in a market where oil is decimated. So, uh, but again, the market is so completely disconnected with fundamentals. I mean, that's why I said, take your fundamental hat and throw it in the garbage for a few weeks because this market doesn't care about anything, it seems like, from a fundamental basis um, and logical perspective. I mean, we've, we've, we've talked about all the worries, you know, a, a lot over the course, of it, but it's hard. You can't fight the tape on this market here right now. Um, it, you just got to, again, I'm just going to say, if you're coming in buying here this morning, I don't know if I'd be doing that on all these stocks. I mean, you're buying the rip. The rip was what I mean when the stocks are going higher. Dip. And, you know, when they rip higher. Correct. So, you know, we just say it that way. So but basically selling the rally. I sell rallies and I buy dips. So if you're coming in today and you're buying your stocks now, you're doing it backwards. Yesterday, all day, stocks were down. If you want to buy stocks, that was an opportunity. Now they're sitting, trading up again. So as a trader, um, I would not be buying here when the S&P is ripping this morning. I might come back in. There's people who got spooked yesterday. So you might have some opportunities. Um, let's keep doing the earnings parade. Uh, real quickly, though, can we just talk about the rotation, which is being a little bit reversed oh, today? Yeah. Uh, Mitch wanted us to talk about it. Uh, big investors switching to consumer cyclical stocks. The tech stocks were weak, but uh, that, that trend's reversing today. Is this going to be a true rotation? I think you're just seeing the dash for yesterday. You saw the dash for trash. You're seeing it continue to a certain extent here today. Um, I'd be very cautious on a stock like Amazon here. Amazon, ugly candle yesterday. It's ripping up with Google because we know people trade the whole thing thing together. But Amazon has been moving counter to the market. And if the market holds up and if Google holds up, I would not be surprised if Amazon rolls over. So out of all the FANG stocks you're buying here today and Facebook is ripping higher and you know Netflix is trading slightly up, but I would, I would be careful on Netflix and I would be careful on Amazon because they have been moving opposite to the market uh, to a certain extent. Yesterday wasn't the case. They, they, they actually led the, rally, led the sell-off yesterday. It was the Amazon rollover, the Netflix rollover, and people have been hiding out in these COVID plays. And that trade came off hard yesterday. We talked about Shopify, and for whatever reason, Shopify did not come down. I'm still nervous on Shopify. It didn't make a new high. It tried to come down, didn't. That's good news, but I'm still nervous on that one too. So Amazon, I'd be a seller of the rally in Amazon if I was hiding out there. Um, Netflix, if it rallies here this morning, I probably would be a seller of that rally here too. You get a significant dip on these things, then I'm interested. But let's think about the 50% retracement on the move in Amazon from 2000 up to 2460, call 460 bucks, 230 off, yeah, 2200, you know, 2220. You got another 100 points, I think, if you go down here before I get interested in potentially buying the dip on that one. Yeah, that's pretty clear here. Huh? The low from yesterday, 2306. 
2316 low, so 2300. That's a line in the sand, and uh, you're safely away from that 48 bucks. But I'd be keeping a real close eye on 2300 in Amazon. Sorry to uh, interrupt the earnings parade, Spencer. Go ahead. Well, I was going to ask if Dennis, if you would buy the dip in companies like like Starbucks here, uh, or, or or anyone that's not much of a dip. You, you know, it's tough. Because a lot of these have come back. And yes, certain companies I would buy the dip on. Starbucks has really come back a long ways. I mean, you're talking about a stock that's $10 off. It's, you know, it, it's getting into the vicinity where it's almost got all of its losses back. So yeah, you know, I, I'm more inclined to buy the dip on you know, stocks. But I, I, I'm, I'm looking at stocks that maybe haven't come back as far as Starbucks. I feel like this has come back the whole way. So I'm like, what, am I really buying a dip? I'm where the stock was at the end of February. I mean, ninety dollars, and you, you, you've come from fifty. So again, I'm not putting this one in my long-term portfolio as a trade. Maybe I buy the dip, but even on Starbucks, it's just come back too far. So it doesn't fit that description of the trash that's beat up. You know what the trash that's been beat up is like Hog, H O G. I wanted to go long Hog in earnings yesterday. I wanted to go, you know, overnight into it because I was like, you know what, the bar is so low, they probably rip it higher, and it went up significantly yesterday. And obviously the, the trade's over now, but, you know, we were talking about the airlines yesterday and could they rip out, you know, the, could they LUV come back from a disappointing report? Could the airlines start to show life? They did. They, they're literally just combing around trying to find anything that hasn't went and they're buying it. I mean, this might be a good segue into Boeing here because sure. Boeing has not, you know, obviously participated in the rally at all. It reports earnings this morning and they're garbage, they're garbage earnings. <laughs> he knew they were going to be garbage. I mean, they miss, they miss. The guidance, it says they're trimming 10% of the workforce. They've drawn down on their loan facility. Um, you know, they believe they, I, I, they believe they will be able to obtain sufficient liquidity to fund operations. Believe. They're not even confident they have liquidity. I mean, this is an absolute disaster if you were just taking a face value. Stock's high. Why? Because there's just fund managers that are just hungry to buy anything. And they're like, okay, that was a kitchen sink quarter. It's only going to get better from here. We're going to buy it. And they're buying it this morning. I'm not chasing Boeing. I think there's a lot of problems. I think they're going to have to do some serious dilution to get the hell out of this mess. So it's one that I'm probably not going to chase. But as a trade right now, I would not be surprised they squeeze them a little bit. It's, it's, it's a description. I mean, it hasn't gone. You want you want the numbers here? Yeah, here. Do uh, I'll give yeah, you the numbers. Yeah, yeah. They they lost a buck seventy last quarter. Uh, estimate was at a buck sixty one loss. Sales sixteen point nine billion versus seventeen point three billion. Just echoing what Dennis said, they are um, trimming ten percent of their workforce and said they are drawing down uh, on a loan facility. But uh, yeah, a kitchen sink quarter for sure kitchen sink quarter but maybe the next quarter is not going to be any good no q2 is going to be no good either i mean they got problems the airlines got problems boeing has major problems again i'm not putting these stocks in my long-term portfolio because i don't need problems in my long-term portfolio but as trades the airlines were good yesterday as trades on boeing i'm scared to pay pay up five bucks for it i think if you had the guts and i almost did i was like i actually took this home long overnight and I chickened out this morning, was trading up two bucks ahead of the report. And I was like, I'm getting the hell out. And I sold it. And, you know, I did dip on the initial report and then run. But I wanted to take it through the report because I thought that it's, unless they do some dilution like LUV did, it's probably going to rally on the report. And it did. So here it is, trading up. I don't know what to do with it at this point in time. Coin flip territory. I, I'll give a level. And, yeah, give me uh, Yeah, and I think this is the key to the day, and I'd even give it, you know, maybe the key for the remainder of the week. Um, on th- uh, What's today? On Monday, you hit th- 137.57. Yeah. You tested that level yesterday, but 137.20, really backed off, closed, uh, you know, six bucks off that. So you clear 137 and a half here. And yeah, you got room up to 142, but uh, you know, I wonder. I, that's just a good level for me. If I did have it, like Dennis, if I had, uh, you know, took it into a report, I'd be out there. You know, like even like 137 and a quarter. You know, so if they take it through yesterday's high, but they can't quite get it to Monday's, or uh, that would actually be Friday's high. So I really like that level. And the other, another thing supporting that level. Uh, is you had a close. I like to see like a stock on the 23rd, you closed 137.74. 
open lower, couldn't clear that closing price of 137.74. That's when you had the 37.57 high. So really like that level for you. On the downside, I don't even know what to tell you. Um, if you're shorting this thing, if it gets close to being red on the session, uh, 31.30, I think you may find buyers. You don't want it to go level. red. If you're long yeah. this thing, you don't want it to go red. That, that's what I would say too. But it's going to chop around. It's not an easy trade. I mean, it's, I, I have such a hard time following those stocks. You know? It's hard. I mean, it's moving around three, four, five percent, and sometimes an hour. And, you know, often earnings reports are really going to move around. It's hard to control the risk on something like that. So it's hard to trade. And it's funny because I look at the daily here and I squint and I'm like, oh, man, this thing's been quiet, you know? This thing's just been in a tight range. And then I look, well, yesterday it had a 10 point range, the previous day it had an eight point range. 10-point range, 7-point range. So it's just because of that bar that you had in March that uh, the daily chart looks so uh, distorted. It looks like it's just really just consolidating near the lows of the move, just like you saw in the airlines and uh, and the cruise lines, which are starting to perk up a little bit. Let's go General Electric, because even though the bar is like in the ground and buried for GE, somehow it came in below the bar. Um, it actually, you know, I, I expected more of a disaster for GE, but I guess you just should, should expect not, you know, I, I actually am surprised that GE didn't catch a bit off this. Um, it's down 6% here now. So I, I don't know. <laughs> GE's just the dog of all dogs. So give us the numbers, Spencer, and maybe we can break this down. Five cent EPS versus an eight cent estimate sales of 20.5 billion versus a $20.2 billion estimate. They talked about, uh, you know, reducing the size of GE capital and, you know, how they're looking for more strategic uh, opportunities out there and, you know, talked about how much cash they have, how much liabilities they have. But uh, yeah, a lot of scary stuff. In, the, in this report when you're talking about how much cash you have and how long you can survive for these are not the companies i want to put in my long-term portfolio i've hated ge for uh, i feel like two years here now i hated it at 20 i hated it at 15 i hated it at 10 i hated it at 666 then i had the ridiculous rally to 13 i hate it then too i still hate it um with that being said if you're putting it on for a trade i'd say you stop yourself out the low of the move which is 590 um, I don't know. We might even test that today. I think, you know, we've come down far enough. We could test six bucks here today. Does it bounce off there the first time? I think it might. I think as a trade, maybe. I'd stop myself on, out under 590, though. Below 590, I want no part of this. Uh, down 40 cents on uh, a good volume here uh, in GE. And I mean, this is back where it was during the financial crisis. I mean, it's how. How you know they've done uh, changes in the C suite? Uh, it's such I mean, a disaster. Yeah. You just I mean, think you about love. how good of a company this was back in the year 2000 and, you know, where it is 20 years later and Jack Welch must just look and just think, and some people say it was Jack Welch's fault that they set him up for failure. I don't believe that though. Um, it's just been a, a disaster. Like you look at Honeywell and, you know, Honeywell and oh, GE yeah. and at one point in time, GE was buying out Honeywell and then antitrust stopped it. That was back in like the year 2003, 2004. And you look at Honeywell, what it's done in the same time period as GE, and it's night and day. I mean, you bring up, you know, a 20-year chart of Honeywell and a 20-year chart of GE, and they're in the exact opposite directions. So GE has a problem child before COVID hit. Now it's obviously got more issues due to COVID, maybe not a direct impact from COVID, but everything is impacted by COVID. It, it's tough. But again, you have a level. So, you know, if you're coming in and buying at 10, 12 bucks, I mean, you buy at 637. You're throwing in your long-term account. Stop yourself out below 590. It's not that bad a risk-reward here, but um, just from that perspective, because you, you have something to lean on, but I, I'm not doing it because I just think that the company could eventually go bust. So I, I, I think there's a better place. Does, to Bob, does Bob have any of that Honeywell GE spread on stuff? Ah, he'd be doing really well if he did. <laughs> so because anyway. That, he was long Honeywell and short GE. That yeah, would have been really good. That thing blew up, man. That was, that oh, was, yeah. uh, there was some pain. There was some pain. Oh, there's sorry. When you're in risk garb and you're doing risk garb and the deal, you know, all of a sudden out of the blue doesn't go through. Oh, there's pain for those risk garbs. I, you know, I guess if you're on the right side of it, there's gains, but usually it's pain. Usually when you're in these risk garb deals, you're looking for the seven, eight percent on the closure and then boom, it falls 30 percent. You're like, ouch, there goes my week or worse. There goes my month. So, you know, I've traded risk garb for a lot of years. I've, I've had some deals. Remember I had Allergan blow up on me. Yeah. Um, when it was getting taken over by Pfizer, 
I had that one on, um, you know, but I, you know, I'm try to get out and minimize the damage as much as you can, but that happened after hours. And there was nothing in there. There was no liquidity. I'm like trying to work out. Wait, wait, do we got a halt? In, uh, yep, I just saw that. I was going to jump What's in that? there. Gilead is halted for news pending. Oh, come on, Gilead. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> oh, I'm scared. Dennis, Dennis, don't be scared. I'm long too. You, oh, yeah, you're long too. So me and Joel are both long. Yes. <laughs> Here it comes. The coin flip. We've been talking about the coin flip and Gilead. People were asking me, do you like Gilead? You don't like Gilead? I was like, it's in coin flip territory. Good dad on the drug. It's going to rip higher. Bad dad on the drug. It's going to go a lot lower. So we'll find out soon. Watch this for the overall market, though. So whatever news comes out here, if that news is good for the drug, that market could rip higher oh, yeah. if the news is bad. So there's, a, there's an impact to the overall market on this too. Very rarely will you see an individual stock the size of Gilead halt and have a significant impact on the overall market, but there will be a significant impact on the overall market. So be careful when we find out what this news is. And uh, in the, the street, the street's betting one way here. The street's betting it. It's good news. Uh, we had that dip. We it's got to the, be the. It's got to be the drug news. They wouldn't halt the stock unless it was the drug news. So keep an eye when you well, guys know in the chat. Let us know. Yeah, we've got that, and we've got GDP coming up at. at oh yeah, Dennis. Here, so. Dennis, you might yes. want to go wide there, buddy. There's a lot of a lot of potential news to get picked off here right now. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My heart just skipped a beat when you said the Gilead's halt, and I'm like, oh, I knew I was eventually going to go That was tremendous. That was, that was a tremendous I, I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't rattle Dennis too much. but No, uh, no he doesn't get rattled I, very often. Well, you know what, though? I knew I, I was intending on going into this news. Like, I was like, I'm thinking the numbers the are coming from I was it. hoping it's going to be good. Well, the market, we don't know anything yet. So there's no I'm news. I'm telling you right now yet. what the market is. I'm watching that news wire. We we don't even know when's coming out. It could be it could be all day. It could be all right. for a while. It, it, Usually, it be... a stock like Gilead's going to halt and then release it like like within twenty minutes. I would think. So I think they're going to release it soon. So oh, how's the news? I... This impacts everything. Yeah. Everything we saw. Okay, so just to put it in perspective, when Gilead had the positive news, you know, originally uh two weeks ago we had a thousand point rally in the dow do you remember that joe that's what kicked it off dennis are you that... gonna pay attention during the gilead GDP? move are you gonna pay attention okay during... go go talk stocks i'm gonna go and do another earnings report i'm jumping in or do whatever you uh, want to do i'm, I'm, waiting, I'm for go G- trade waiting for gdp the estimate here is for four yeah. percent decline GDP, gilead i don't even know what <laughs> you got me all flustered now <laughs> Uh, I, I, right now, the street is totally anticipating good news here out of uh, Gilead. And the worse the GDP is, probably the higher the market will go. So you can give me that headline number. <clears throat> we just pulled back uh, during the early part of the show to mid-range on the session. Uh, got a little bit below that. You're, you're pretty good. I like the GDP. There you go. There you go. New high. 29.08. We just hit 29.09.75, 29.14. We have made a new high of the move, folks. We just hit 29.18.75. That's a new high for the move. Yesterday's high was in that quadrant. Yesterday's high, 29.13.50, uh, back below that number. But uh, they saw the Gilead news. They started buying. I didn't care what the G- GDP was. They kept buying. What's the number, Spencer? Yeah, I, I was going to say, I almost feel like it, it's secondary now to, yeah. to, to, what it, to whatever the Gilead news is. Uh, again, that we don't know when that's coming. Uh, GDP, I'm seeing well, – actually, I don't know what I'm seeing here. Uh, my, my, my internet kind of just uh, froze up. Is it, it doesn't make it easy. Wait, wait. I don't know if it's out yet. What? I, I'm not – either it's me – or it's not, or the page isn't uploaded yet. I don't know. Uh... Uh, well, CNBC. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Here we go. We just got a Gilead headline. Gilead. Yeah. Uh, we see here. I'll, I'll read from the pro here. Uh, data from the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases says we understand that the trial has met its primary endpoint and that the NIAID will provide detailed information at an upcoming Positive briefing. Data. Yep, met primary endpoint is the key word Positive. there on, on Gilead. So uh, I don't even see the, the GDP number out right now. I don't know if it matters. 
but Gilead uh, is is the news is at least out that they met the primary endpoint and went no more uh, at a at a press conference. It's big. It's time. big news. It says fifteen points. Sp- okay, so oh, you're saying SP futures spike fifteen. So all we know at this time is that it's met its primary endpoint. We don't know details here yet. Right. So devil could be in the details. So don't just automatically assume. You know, we're gonna run here on the initial headline. It looks good, but we don't know all the details here yet. So obviously the market, you know, I believe is spiking a little bit higher because of the Gilead, the GDP numbers, it moved on as well. But this Gilead, you know, information is very important in the market overall too. So Wait, is GDP, I'm seeing up 4.8%. That can't be right. I don't uh, have it in front of me. Yeah, they're, um, I, I don't know if it's out it, yet. It's out. It's out. Does it make any difference though? Does it make any, does it even the GDP? It's all about Gilead. It, like Joel said, the S&P futures started a rally when Gilead got halted and they were speculating that this is going to be potentially be good. So now you got Gilead trading higher. Uh, people are going to ask, what am I going to do with my Gilead? If this thing spikes back up to 85, 86, I'm probably going to sell it again. Um, you know, for, so if the people haven't been listening to the show, I bought Gilead originally on the idea that the drug could be okay. I bought it at 75 and or 74 and change and i sold it at 85 i rebought the stock <laughs> on that news from uh, and, news. which was a funny story on the bad news i got hit on a, on a limit at 77 i sold it up almost at 80 i rebought it again in the 76 handle i am probably going to sell this stock again if it gets up near to, into the mid 80s you're, you're over dennis this is your long-term portfolio you're like a high frequency no this trader. is a swing this is like more it's, it's one of those it's one of those that if it goes down it becomes an investment rachel <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those oh, trades yeah. that becomes, if it goes up it's a trade if it goes down it becomes an investment very good guys you're really you're really <laughs> the gilead i break the rules for you're never supposed to do that we always joke don't let a trade become an investment i probably wouldn't do that in the case of Gilead. So, okay, so I don't we, know. We'll see. I don't know how much it's going to go up. I would assume it's probably going to go higher on this. I don't know what's going to come out of the halt, but we'll see. Just to put a bow on the, on the GDP thing, uh, down 4.8% is the reading for Q1. The consensus estimate was down, I saw anywhere from 35 to 4%, and it came in down to 4.8%. So a uh, worse than expected reading on the GDP print. There was some scurry with the, with the release on the page, but regardless, like you guys said, it's all about Gilead for now. GDP was the was the headline until eight twenty seven, and now it's going to be Gilead for for the day. Uh, so still no, I have not seen any update as far as when the halt could end. Uh, usually you you get that sort of thing from yeah. uh, from the exchange, but uh, um, yeah, I don't, I haven't, I don't know when the halt's going to going to end yet. But uh, that know. is uh, Dennis is talking about uh, when you had that news. This was back on the seventeenth. It traded close to 90, if I remember, but that was in in the pre-market in the after hours. Uh, Cooler heads prevailed in the regular session. Uh, 85.79 was the high of the move that day. 85.18 was the high the following day, and it kind of withered from there. So if you're, uh, you know, if you're going to take the dentist stance here, uh, the $85 area looks area of interest. Uh, for me, I, I'm, I'm just holding it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold it, and then Dana and Emily are going to have that. I'll be trading it. <laughs> this is more a trade for me, so I will definitely be trading it. And then when so it's 100, I, in all likelihood, if this thing up, get up in the upper 80s, I'm going to be selling it. So. And, then, um, and, then, uh, and then when it's 105, you'll be like, oh, I, I, I need to rebuy it at 90. I can hear it now. <laughs> you got me figured out, Joel. <laughs> All right, I'm going to pivot away from this discussion All for right. a quick second here. Now, I want to bring on our guest, Patrick DeHaan. He is the head of petroleum analysis at gasbuddy.com. Uh, and I want to, I, I do wonder, you know, if, if the recent, if that move there, you know, I, I didn't look at oil, but I'm sure it moved off it as it moves off the uh, broader macro uh, movements here. I'll bring Patrick on now. Uh, let's see if, if Zoom will let me talk to him. There we go. Patrick, good morning. Can you hear me? Let's see. Good morning. Well, are you there now? <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, you're sideways, though. Oh, well, let me fix that. You know, we're kind of working from home and trying to get our setups all figured out. So, hey, let's, look at that. Let's we get got him to figure it out. We got him. 
You're using using my technology here. You're uh, changing the screen. (laughs) So little background on Patrick here. We, We had... It was a few years ago we had you on, right, Patrick? When uh, when we we did an oil special uh, during gotcha. one of the oil crises, and we mm-hmm. haven't we haven't talked to you about uh, in a while. But man, with everything that's heating up in these markets, with the oil market, I you're on the guest stock. I said I got to get a hold of Patrick. Patrick, tell us what you did. And do we have some bad news on Netflix here? Just uh, while uh, Patrick's answering that, Patrick. Uh, what do you, what do you been doing? Tell us about gasbuddy.com. Well, of course, gas buddy is the free app that everyone uses to find the cheapest gas prices in their neighborhood. And, you know, though a lot of people have been staying home, we've seen incredible increase in our traffic counts, which is quite interesting. You know, we're all kind of eagerly looking for these cheap and low prices that we haven't seen in some cases since 2003, but that's what our free app does. It points motorists and it helps them fill up for a lower price. We also have a a free pay card. Uh, that links to your checking account that saves you up to 25 cents a gallon. And with that card, there's some really interesting demand insights that we've been able to see now. So such, such, wait, about- wait, wait, such as what? Well, gasoline demand in near real time. Um, you know, some of the metrics that the government uses, the EIA uses are, are very sought after, but uh, they're often delayed. It's, it's product supplied. It's not necessarily demand. So, uh, we're starting to have a insight into one of these most coveted metrics, which is real-time gasoline demand. So, what do you think's driving this? I mean, just pe- I mean, you can only put so much gas in in your tank and load up, or and people aren't supposed to be going anywhere. What What do you think? Is it you know truckers moving food supplies? Where do you think this increase in demand is coming from? Well, I mean, it, it was an increase for distillate, but let's, let's you know, put it out there. The, it, it's been an increase from the low. Um, we aren't looking at an overall increase in demand. I mean, we're still talking about demand that's probably 35 to 45% lower than where it was in February. And keep in mind, this isn't even seasonally adjusted. So demand in February is usually consistently weak. Um, for the first week of this situation, perhaps back in March, we did see a, a, a pretty noticeable upswing in distillate demand perhaps being driven by semis trying to replenish uh, your, you know, your uh, groceries, all the toilet paper that was made to run on. Uh, but now we've seen distillate demand fall. So uh, along with gasoline, now we're in a situation where uh, because of the rebound, distillate in- inventories have actually been surging in gasoline inventories. Um, the API reported yesterday that gasoline inventories actually dropped a million barrels in the last week. So refineries made some huge cutbacks and perhaps they cut a little bit too much off gasoline production, they're going to have to tinker with it a little bit further. So it feels like, you know, when, when oil goes up and way up and has these valleys, then gas goes up, 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 up with it. But when oil declines and goes down, it seems like it doesn't go down as much. Is that just a selective perception on my part, or is there some statistical, uh, you know, uh, analysis behind that? Well, I think it's both. Uh, First of all, um, you you know, it feels like that because everyone's watching the price of oil, right? And that's the metric for gauging where prices are going. Um, Oil prices plunge. The the unique situation that we're in, though, is that gas prices have plunged, but demand has plunged, in some cases, upwards of 50%. So gas stations are kind of reluctant to lower their prices too quickly, effectively doing so would shoot themselves in the foot. Basically, they're trying to get by by maybe having a double or triple margin than they're used to, but that's to offset the huge drop in demand. So um, there is some truth behind that, uh, but I also think that motorists are watching the price of oil and, and the price of oil and gasoline often move in parallel, but it is certainly not a direct 100% relationship that's consistent every day of the week. We're on with Patrick DeHaan, who's the head of petroleum analysis at gasbuddy.com. So, Patrick, what do you make of the state of of demand right now? And I, I guess another way of putting that would be talk to us about what kind of rebound we could see. Well, you know, it, it's been really interesting. I think some of the data that we look at on a day-to-day basis has me looking at our, our demand data a little differently. And that's that Friday is the strongest day of the week for people to fill their tank. And probably because it's payday for millions of Americans um, to fill their tank. And what we've seen the last few Fridays, last Friday was actually the weakest Friday for gasoline demand since this whole 
uh, coronavirus situation started. And what's that's, what that is telling us is that there's obviously, uh, with the jobless numbers, there's millions of Americans uh, that aren't filling their tank. So that's a new worry. But we have seen a, a modest uptick in demand from Lowe's. Um, Wednesday's demand, uh, excuse me, Tuesday's demand uh, was a little bit higher than last week. But keep in mind, demand is still very low, though I think it has hit a bottom. Yeah, it, it almost feels like a waste. I haven't, I mean, I haven't filled up my tank in, gosh, I don't know, uh, six weeks. Uh, it, it almost feels like a waste of just not being able to go outside and, and take advantage of of uh, ridiculously cheap prices at, at, the, at the pump. Um, are you seeing anything as far as like, I don't know, I don't know if you look at individual companies uh, and, and, and how they're performing and how they're holding up as far as these, these wacky supply and demand uh, 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 trends kind of play out in real time. Are, are you seeing anything from individual companies that, 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 that you can provide some color on? Uh, you know, I mean, right now, so much of the industry is segmented you know, depending on if you're downstream or upstream, you're doing better or worse. And I think the retailers are kind of holding on for dear life. But keep in mind, a lot of the retail companies like Marathon Petroleum, which owns Speedway, um, margins are still relatively good across the board um, for the retail level. It's the refiners, it's the upstream operators, the oil producers that are getting hit the hardest. So, you know, traditionally, it's as you get closer to the wellhead, the better that you're, the better you're doing. But now it's, it's the opposite uh, into a complete reversal, which is, you know, defies conventional wisdom that retailers usually have the smallest operating margin. But, you know, some of your, uh, some of your companies, Kushtard, uh, uh, like I said, Marathon Petroleum that have retail holdings, margins are fairly substantial right now, uh, though as the national average falls, those margins are getting, getting eaten into. And keep in mind on the rebound, if demand does recover, we are starting to see wholesale prices recover. That's going to squeeze those retail operators then a little bit more. I don't know if we've ever actually defined that. Can you explain uh, upstream, midstream, downstream for audience? Well, upstream simply at the wellhead closer to the source of that oil coming out of the ground. So your oil producers are all upstream, midstream, um, you know, you're talking, you're talking uh, refineries in the midstream, downstream retail level. Um, and so that's the importance here is that usually the upstream is one of the stronger performers as long as the price of oil is doing well, where usually downstream, the further you get downstream, the smaller margins tend to be. So right now, like I said, it's the inverse and that the further downstream you go, the better margins are. Patrick, Patrick DeHaan of GasBuddy.com joins us here on Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep Show. Uh, I just want to get your reaction. And was it last week or the week before when that May contract went off the board, went negative 46? And I realized, you know, uh, saw some news that it could go negative here. Uh, Now they're only allowing the the June contract for liquidation only. Could you just – could you kind of give us your thoughts when, you know, when, you know, you actually saw oil go negative to a barrel? And do you think like the CME is just kind of, kind of monkeying with the rules here um, on the contracts and either, you know, in order to keep the oil market afloat? Well, you know, the CME is, is grappling with its own challenges in WTI versus ICE's Brent. So, Okay. You know, they're probably struggling to to keep their benchmark afloat. I mean, it doesn't look great when your benchmark index goes negative. So what we're running into with, with you know, the extreme volatility in WTI is simply storage moves. That is, nobody really knows um, when we're going to hit the tank tops in Cushing. Now, this morning, you know, we've been hearing so much about storage running out of space. You can't find it. It's all fully uh, allotted. But now this morning, there are some uh, some chatter that perhaps we're not there. And that's why WTI this morning is posting a really strong morning. Um, last I checked here, uh, we're up another two and a half, three dollars a barrel this morning. So th- this is all really a storage play. Um, and, you know, we will likely see oil prices recover so long as there's room to put it. And I think we're seeing a lot of cutbacks in West Texas. The Permian Basin drills are going offline in rapid fashion. Uh, and that's acting as a floor to what you're seeing in WTI. And I almost wonder, you know, there's been talk, will May rehappen in June? Will June go negative? 
um, you know, and we're right in the midst of states starting to reopen. Um, and it really depends too. Now, refineries are, are the, primary, uh, the primary source for that crude oil. And if refineries start ramping back up to meet an increase in demand from these states that are coming back online, that will create uh, a further floor on the price of oil. So, you know, whether or not we get to see a June contract negative um, really is contingent on some of the biggest uh, gasoline consuming states getting back online. Watch uh, Texas, California, and Florida for any signs of reopening. Those are the biggest gasoline consumers. Uh, but, you know, part of me wonders if we have hit a bottom with WTI and perhaps we start rallying from here. Patrick, what about these these tankers here, like Nordic American and, and others that have just caught huge bids these past couple of days? Yeah, I mean, this is the most popular place to throw oil right now. You have so many... Uh, so it's, many the, it's the only place. <laughs> yeah, re really, talk about that. You know, it's uh, certainly with dozens of tankers sitting off the California coast. Um, you know, this this is a, a market. I mean, this, this talk about volatility. One day it's going to be that uh, that rates are through the roof on, on oil storage and the next it's going to be, you know, if we get back to it, that they've run out of room or, or whatnot. But that certainly is a very interesting dynamic as you see so many millions of barrels now essentially being stored at sea. That's, you know, the easiest, quickest way to, to store oil that you're, you're acquiring at far lower prices. So, um, you know, <laughs> theoretically, you're probably seeing some firms uh, that are putting scrap plans on hold because there's a tremendous interest in even the oldest carriers right now. Uh, one more before I, I, I let you go here. And um, man, I lost my train of thought here. Oh, I want to talk to you just on a regional basis here. Uh, I mean, you know, you're obviously dealing with oil companies. I mean, I know Texas is, a re you know, uh, reported to, you know, be reopening soon here. I mean, you know, measuring the impact of, you know, the different states and regions, I mean, you know, do we need a quick turnaround or we're going to put a serious hurt on the, uh, on the Texas economy or are they in a position, a cash position, these companies to sustain it? I mean, cities like Houston, where everyone works at the refineries, everyone's an yeah. executive there. I'll just talk about the regional aspects. Yeah, you know, there, there's a lot to be said. There was a report out yesterday um, of the, the amount of domestic violence and suicide rising in Houston. Um, you look at tumultuous times for the oil industry, and it certainly is trickling down uh, to these localities. These oil-producing states are getting hit hard. And it's not just the oil-producing states that are hurting. I mean, all states are hurting right now based on gas tax revenue that's been lost. Uh, I believe Connecticut already laid off Department of Transportation workers because of the loss in gas tax revenue, and it won't be the only state to do so. Uh, and that's kind of the other story here is that we're missing out on tremendous uh, tax revenue as a result of the slowdown in oil production. So, um, you know, I think some of the oil producing states are, are certainly hoping for a quick turnaround, but, you know, it's not really up to them so much. Um, you know, it's really up to the economics of, of oil, which, you know, at this point, um, at fourteen forty a barrel, things are still not looking terrific. Uh, Patrick DeHaan is the head of petroleum analysis at GasParty.com. Patrick, thanks for the time, and be safe out there. Good to be with you guys this morning. Take care. Thanks, right. Patrick. We'll get you on again soon. Okay, so uh, because of that Gilead headline, first of all, Gilead is set to resume training at 9 o'clock, but every quote-unquote COVID stock just sold off on that headline. Netflix, Shopify. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Yeah, so uh, I want to read a couple of headlines here from this Gilead release. Uh, they said that phase three trial of remdesivir showed patients receiving a 10-day treatment course achieved similar improvement in clinical status versus those taking a five-day treatment course. They also said uh, patients uh, who received that 10-day course had improved outcomes uh, compared with those treated after more than 10 days of symptoms. Pool data shows uh, 14, uh, day 14 discharge rates of 62% versus 49% uh, discharge rates uh, of delayed uh, treatment. So uh, good news here. The stock is set to resume trading at nine o'clock and everything, every quote unquote, like COVID stock or stock that's been hot, uh, just sort off on that headline. Yeah, like, and you know, you were looking for news on Netflix. I believe Spencer's that's right. It. It's yep, a lockdown. Um, so we talked about Netflix and Amazon both. I was talking about Amazon just 20 minutes ago saying it was trying, it was trading 2350. 
and like the market stays up, don't expect Amazon to hold up with Fang because this has been a hiding place for COVID. So you're seeing that trade come off. Amazon's only up 16 points here now. So it is still up, but it's given back 22 points since the Gilead news here. I mean, it's, it's very important for the overall market. Is, and this doesn't sound like it's the end you know, result here. Um, again, we're just getting here. data here. But um, think about you know, your biotechs that hold a lot of Gilead. IBB, 8.9% of uh, Gilead, and they're actively trading here right now, is an IBB. IBB is trading up 3.3% right now. So it's trading up because, you know, and you can look at the other biotech stocks. I'm sure they're up too with the overall market, but, you know, they're speculating that Gilead's going to have a move here. BBH um, is not, has not made a trade yet, so it's too thin. And then BIB is uh, twice the biotech. It's trading up 6.5%, so it just trades off IBB. But IBB is your best gauge. It's trading up $4 right now, 3.3%, and it owns 9% of uh, Gilead. So they're speculating a pretty decent move to the upside in Gilead at this time. So we'll see. I will probably be selling into this move. I've actually already placed my order out there. We'll see how high it goes. <laughs> I, I hope for I'm a really gonna, high open. Here, I'm just going to list off a few more ETFs that have a high exposure to Gilead. So IBB, 9% of the fund is Gilead. You mentioned BBH, Dennis. DVP has 8% in Gilead. PBE has 5%. Some of these are smaller, so just be yes, careful. Yes, like yes, IBB uh, is yes. very liquid. These aren't these aren't. Some of the PBE yeah, is thin. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, Stay I'm away from the thin ones. These are thin, but I'm just saying for exposure purposes, DVP is high, PBE, and uh, IEIH all have high exposure to Gilead. So just a few more on to keep on your radar. IBB uh, is the one you got to watch. So this is going to move around with Gilead there. It's you know 9% of the index. So we'll see what the move is. It had a good move last time. It had some positive data. So let's just see what happens here again. But it's going to be interesting. Wow. Okay. That threw a big, uh, big hurdle into the morning here. Fun show, huh? Yeah. But you want to get to some more earnings? We didn't get to AMD yet. We didn't get to Spotify yet. There was a well, lot more. Well, let's talk AMD because this is a widely traded stock, a widely loved stock. It's a stock that got back its entire loss from February. So that's one thing to consider. You're like, oh, I'm going to buy AMD. Well, you're not buying something on the cheap. Even nope. though it, it, the, the earnings are getting an earnings dip, this isn't like one of those that was on the cheap and you, you know, you're, you're buying something back where it was before this whole thing started. So AMD is not you know, relatively cheap to where it was. It's all the way back. Again, there's a reason for that. It's quality. NVIDIA is the same thing. I mean, it's quality. NVIDIA had a huge dip yesterday. It's uh, actually trading higher with the overall market, but AMD down. I don't know. Uh, I traded a little bit last night. I have no position in AMD here right now. Uh, I, I, I'm... I can't, you know, I, this isn't a dip I'm looking to buy because the stocks have been too strong going into it. The earnings were fine. EPS was in line. Sales beat by a hair, 1.79 versus $1.78 billion. They did give guidance. They gave some Q2 sales guidance. And that came in, or the estimate for that was at the high end of the range that they gave. So they, their guidance for Q2 sales was mostly lower than the estimate at $1.92 billion. Uh, still trying to figure out whether the Lisa Sue that's president there was the same. Joel, Lisa give that, no, give, give that up. <laughs> give it up. He's a creature of habit. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> if she's listening, I I wasn't really nice to her, so I I can it understand. Is not, it is not the same person. I, I don't think Lisa Sue. She might be listening. I don't think she is though. You don't think she is? <laughs> not the same person, Joel. Well, if anybody knows her. Could they please reach out to her and let her know that I want her to be a guest and I'll apologize. We for should bring in. Lisa Sue. We could get some big guests. This Rasnick, Jason Rasnick got pulled. We just had a CEO on. I mean, we get guests. We get big guests. All right, back to AMD here. Uh, wow. Someone backed up the truck at 52.40 and they said, I want to own it. And they did. They it got just... down to 52.40, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's well, a long way. Still. No, not 52.48, 52.40. 52.40. A. A. Ha ha. <laughs> uh, and then you had a rebound, a uh, nice rebound, 5480, and you're just hanging up here. So this is a tough call. I'd say above above 5480, you know, let's let's get through the, the low from yesterday and the close. I'd be really interested to see what happens at 5551. That was your close from yesterday near the low. Um, if you get a rally and if this thing just decides to say, hey, I want to go with the market, 58. Uh, you did hit 58 two days ago. 58.63 was a high on April 20th. 
another high at 5808. I think you guys get the uh, where I'm going at this. Old time high though, 5927. Old time closing high, 5890. Important for this though, to get through 50, uh, 55 and a half to close from yesterday. S&P's just, just blasting off here. Waiting uh, for Gilead. Yeah. The the opening I have opening indications on Gilead here. It's bouncing around. It's moving around. It's eighty six eighty two right now is the opening indication that is changing continuously here right now. So, um, so obviously bouncing around a lot here. So we'll see. All right. Uh, there we go. Twenty nine twenty. So just bursting here into the opening bell. Uh, Google. We did cover Google. Uh, Goog with the L, uh, I'm not following, but the regular Goog uh, up $101.33 at $13.35. Uh, look through follow through through the pre-market high. Uh, the old resistance, new support there, uh, $1,300 for Google. That was the top of the range that it had like last four or five sessions. So there's what I'm looking at in Goog without the L. Let's do... I was going to use Spotify on this. There was another one you wanted to go to. Yeah, no, actually, I was looking at Spotify and MasterCard. Right, MasterCard. Okay, we're doing both. Spotify first. Uh, EPS, they lost $0.22 cents a share versus a $0.49 cent loss estimate. Sales of $2.03 billion versus $1.86 billion. So beat and beat for Spotify as far as the EPS and sales. They said they had $130 million premium subscribers at the end of the quarter that's up 31 percent on a year-over-year basis nice pop yep again we're, you're we're, buying a stock Spotify. that was where it was in february so i have trouble buying these stocks at these prices so um you know when i was looking at buying dips i'm looking at stuff that hasn't got all of its losses back so i know you're getting a rip here today so i'm definitely not buying rips i don't buy rips so uh i'm a, i'm no trade on this we're on no spotify point. True. My, my wife has Spotify too. I think she pays yeah. for it too, actually. Pre market props on there's Spotify. There's a free version and then there's a paid version. I believe my wife pays for it. So um, I, look I into believe that. Um, <laughs> Agnes, uh, that's in the chat in the morning and the afternoon, found us on Spotify. Uh, but uh, your prop. Uh, yeah, pre market prep on Spotify. Uh, 153.99, really not far off that level. That's a pre market high. So looking for some continuation through that level. Uh, 155, some sellers hung out here uh, back before the market crashed. I see three, four highs in that area. So see what happens if the rally continues in 155. Uh, above that, things open up to 160 uh, if you're really looking for a juicy target. Uh, January 8th and 9th highs, 159.48 and 59.98. I have absolutely no idea where to buy this on a pullback. All right, and then MasterCard, they beat and beat on the top and the bottom line. Okay, let's see. We're getting the open here in 20 seconds. 86.48 is the projected open now. It is really bouncing around. And so, you're out there, Dennis. You're going to fade it. I'm huh? out there. Oh, yeah, I'm out there. I'm. You're out there at 85. <laughs> I'm not telling you where my order is, but I'm out there. And if it opens too high, we'll be selling the opening tick. So okay. we'll see. Four, three, two, one. Whoa, there we go. 86, no, wait, wait, wait 80, 85. So it's trying. Well, it's a, it, it opened and then uh, it, it, it opened low, actually, and is sprinting here. Uh, it's trying. Ab above those highs, GILD, I think that you got an 83 print in there. So if you were so inclined to buy that, I just opens, sold it, I think. I was 86.90. You think? You don't even know? <laughs> well, if it, if it executed. <laughs> I I, I added at eighty six ninety was where Why? my order Why was. Why did you go at that level? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because the opening indication was like eighty seven, so I wanted to be under that opening indication. So um, hopefully I sold it. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> these you retail did. brokers sometimes are like you know it's it's interesting. Sometimes they don't execute, so I hope I sold it because it's actually way down. Maybe I should rebuy it right away. <laughs> oh, Dennis, would you stop with this? <laughs> uh, pretty good call there. Uh, it hit eighty seven forty. 80, so 86.90 is where my order was. So you let's should be see. done. Yeah, I'm done. I got filled. I okay, just, I just verified. Okay. I had to go and log in my retail brokerage account because it's my longer term account. And I was filled. I was filled at eight. I don't even see where the time is. These retail brokers that came and follow how they work. I placed like one order in there a week. <laughs> 86.90. It is filled. So I'm out. So okay. should I rebuy at 84? 
I scalped two points. <laughs> I'll get my order back out there at 77 again. Anyways, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was an interesting trade there. Okay, uh, I want to wrap it up here. Thanks to our guest, Patrick Dahan, and thanks to everyone who joined us in our chats on YouTube and on premarket.benzinga.com. You can always catch a replay of this or a podcast. Uh, please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. Joel and I will be back with you at 3.40. Until then, everyone have a great rest of your day and wherever you are, be safe. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.